to Between the Worlds. I'm your host, Amanda Yates Garcia. This season, we focus on the suit of pentacles, all about abundance, the earth, eroticism, and the underworld. Stay tuned and learn how to re-enchant your world with tarot, magic, and more. The first thing that I think of when I see the Ace of Pentacles is a big, fat yes. Sound delicious? Stay tuned. We begin this season with a prayer to the spirits of the earth, guardians of stone and bone and blood. The mighty watchtowers of the earth come, be with us, guard us, guide us, travel with us as we ride through your suit. We humbly ask that you escort us through this season of the pentacles here on Between the Worlds. We are here to honor the ancestors and the history of the earth and the traditions of our teachers. We are here to celebrate the mysteries of the caves and the stones and the spirits and places. We are here to learn from the generosity and wisdom of the deities of nature. May your teachings be for the good of all great spirits of the earth. Come, let us honor and adore you. Listeners, here we are. It's me, your host, Amanda Yates Garcia, and behind the scenes is our beautiful producer, Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs, and we are back with you for the Suit of Pentacles, and we are so excited to be here with you. It's taken us a while to get back here with you because oh, there's just so much we wanted to say about this beautiful suit, and so much we wanted to prepare and plan for you. And uh, in this true spirit of pentacles, we've been taking our sweet time about it. So So, the suit of pentacles is about that listening, that deep listening to the spirit of the earth and to our bodies and to our elders. It's about listening to the land and the plants and the wisdom of the material world. We've got a lot of that here for you on today's episode. I'm really excited just to dive in. So basically what we're going to do today, as you know, I always like to do this. If you have been with us for our previous uh, three seasons, I like to spend the ACE episodes really going deeply into just some of the concepts that are related to the suit itself And Pentacles is a particularly rich one. So as I was writing it, I realized that I might have to spread a lot of the stuff that I wanted to tell you out through the whole season. So we might be mixing it up a bit um, from the way that we normally do our episodes. We might be mixing in more mythology. We might be mixing in more history. We know that you all love that stuff. You often are telling us that. So we think you're going to enjoy it. I wanted to start off really just talking a little bit about some little seedlings of the suit of pentacles, really, for me. And the first one that came to my mind when I was thinking, like, what is this? What does this suit mean to me? 
as you know, pentacles is the suit of earth and it relates to the north. We're going to go way deep into all of that. But I was thinking about this time when I was getting divorced. You guys have probably heard me tell this story a million times, but I guess you'll just have to enjoy listening to it again. So I was getting divorced and the day after me and my partner broke up, I went to Joshua Tree, which is in the Mojave Desert. And I had planned that already before I knew that I was going to be getting a divorce. But I, I went out there the next day and I was staying kind of deep in the desert. And around me every night I would go walking in these huge boulders. There's red, like gigantic rocks, billions, millions and billions of years old and and I would watch the sunset and every night at sunset because of the changing of the air or the changing of the temperature when the sun sets, this wind would come howling down through the valleys of this dry and beautiful and purple and red land and the rocks, friends, witches, they healed me. They really did heal me. There's something about those stones that in the time when I was so full of grief and confusion, as anybody's ever gone through a breakup, whether or not they wanted to do it, it's really so difficult and confusing a lot of the time and requires a lot of grief and growth. And just being around these creatures billions of years old that are so solid and still and grounded and magnificent. It was like they were telling me, you're going to be okay. This is all going to be okay. This too shall pass. And, and I feel like that's one part of the power, the suit of pentacles is this healing power, this power of deep time. The power that reminds us, you know, that time moves quickly. But there's a ground beneath that that is nourishing and beautiful and that we may return to, we will return to. And that it's got us, it's holding us, that the earth has us. And to me, that was just so healing and important. And then there's another little story I thought I'd pop in here for you. Of when I was about 13 years old, I was I was going through this coming of age ceremony. As most of you know, if you've read my book, Initiated, Memoir of a Witch, um, I, I was brought up practicing witchcraft. My mother was a witch and I learned from her. But we were also Unitarians and we went to the Unitarian Church. And um, there's this thing called coming of age, which is kind of like, I guess, a bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah or like a catechism process, I guess, where you you have a mentor and they are someone like an elder from the church and and they, you know, take you to do things like um, clean up country trails or groom wild horses that have been, you know, captured to prevent them from being hurt or slaughtered or whatever. And my mentor, Nancy, uh, one of my mentors, Nancy, she, she took me to see a dance performance at UCSB. So I'm from Santa Barbara, Galita, to be precise. And I'd never seen, I'd never seen dance before, really. I mean, I, I had taken ballet as a little girl, but 
I was kind of not into it, unfortunately. I wish I would have stayed with it. I'm sure a lot of you empathize with that. But I begged my mom not to make me go because it was so kind of, I don't know, authoritarian or something. And so she took me to this performance and there were these women, these wild, topless women. That was part of their costume. They had like long hair. It was, it was kind of like very Pina Bausch only without clothes on. And the, the, the performance was, they were like in this kind of Botticelli-like Venusian setting. And there was this big clamshell in the middle of the stage and like a pearl in it. And they were like diving through this clamshell. And I didn't know bodies could move like that. I didn't know we could do that. I didn't know we were allowed. I didn't know such a thing could be. And it was astonishing to me and, and very erotic and very powerful and mysterious and creatively energizing. And I think of that pearl that was in that oyster and all the beautiful bodies of these women as they moved around on the stage as truly like a seed, or we might say like a coin, like a pentacle. But pentacles are seeds, and it was planted in my heart. And I kind of forgot about it and went on and lived my life, which was, you know, kind of a mess, <laughs> as, a, as a lot of us were in our teenage years. But then that blossomed. They came back. That seed incubated in my heart, and it came out so powerfully in my early 20s as I longed to be a dancer and, and did everything I could, everything in my power to make that happen. And the reason why I'm telling you this story is because I want you to understand the kind of personal power and magic of pentacles. These seeds that are planted within us these resources, these um, nourishing powers of growth and manifestation that we might not even realize are being placed in our heart. And then suddenly they burst forth, their crown pushes through the earth and reaches towards the sunlight and our life blossoms. But also the healing powers of pentacles the healing powers of the body and the land. All wealth comes from the land. All abundance comes from the land. And we're going to be talking about that so much this season. And I can't wait to share even more. Okay, so let's get right down to the real nitty-gritty of this suit. Pentacles. Reminder about the suits, okay? There's cups, that's one suit, swords, wands, and pentacles. And I think of them as really being states of matter, right? Like liquid, gas, magma, and solids. So liquid obviously would be cups. And then swords, which correlate with the air, would be gases. And wands would be magma or fire. And then pentacles would be the solids. Right, the solid forms of matter. And they all correspond also to the four directions, the north and the south and the east and the west and the spirits of those places. Now, the reason for correspondences in the Western mystery traditions 
is that we live in an enchanted world. And an enchanted world is a world of connection and sacred relationship where we're all woven into and connected through what's called the web of the weird, W-Y-R-D, which in classical Northern European cosmology is something like karma or fate. And in this cosmology, in the Norse cosmology, the weird is spun by the three sisters called the Norns, who are often thought of as the past, the present, and the future. Or we might also think of them as initiating, becoming, and unfolding, which is very similar, as you might recall, to the modes of astrology as cardinal, fixed, and mutable, right? So cardinal is initiating, fixed is becoming, unfolding is mutable. Or we might think of it as the aspects of the moon goddess as waxing, full, and waning. And these sisters, the Norns, sit in the gnarled roots at the foot of the world tree, spinning this web of weird. And in Graham Harvey's book, Contemporary Paganism, which I really recommend, he describes how in the Eddas, the Icelandic sagas of the Old Norse, the weird is a web spun out by the combined actions of many, perhaps all beings. It's a web of all things. And because of that, it links deities and symbols and places and plants in different worlds and dimensions and moods and actions and seasons, times of day, astrological signs, and the suits of tarot. So what's beautiful and important about this for us right here and right now is that it reminds us how the tarot as a system of divination gives us insight into the workings of that web of the weird. And we can imagine pulling on the thread that is connected to the suit of pentacles, right? We're there at the edge of that web and we're pulling on the pentacles thread. And that tug ripples out to touch all the things that the suit of pentacles corresponds to, which we'll be talking about. But it even reaches into your life and into your story. And so the beautiful thing about magic and witchcraft is that it illuminates the connections between things. We are not isolated individuals alienated from the rest of connection as white supremacist, capitalist, colonialist, patriarchy might have us believe. We are intimately connected. We're bound together through this web. And the more that we see this and the more that we participate in it, the more enchanted our lives become. So let's start our journey into this well, this web of the weird. Today we're talking about the ace, the ace of pentacles. And as a reminder, the ace is like the essential oil of the suit. And it represents the essence of the suit in its purest form. And in this case, the ace corresponds to pentacles or the element of earth. So the ace, aces in general, always represent a big yes. And if you read reversals, then an upright 
ace means yes and a reversed ace means a big no, hard no. So it's a nice simple formula if you're if you're asking an, a yes no question. And the ace of pentacles is really the ace that you want to get if you want to see a yes because since it represents the earth, it's the yes that's most based in material reality. The things that you can touch, the things that you can feel, the things that you can taste, and the things that you can count on. So if you're looking for a, a yes to manifest, then the Ace of Pentacles is really the one that you want to see. Let's look at the Ace of Pentacles in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith deck. Okay, so we're looking at a ghostly, mm, spiritual, godly hand that's coming out of this gray mist, these gray clouds, and it's holding a gold coin with a five-pointed star on it and a circle around it. And below this hand that's appearing out of the sky, appearing out of the ethers, we might say, is a beautiful garden. And it looks like there's lilies or irises and it's very green. And the garden is surrounded by a wall, but this wall is like a hedge. It's a flowering hedge. It's quite beautiful. And it looks like it maybe has like vines, like grapes or red flowers. And there's a bower there and a path that basically you seem to be standing on if you're looking at this card. And it looks like you're about to walk right out that bower door. And beyond that is a blue mountain. So you're in the garden, but you're facing the the gate to the garden, looking out at the mountains, and you're being presented by spirit with this big golden pentacle. So let's start with one of the earliest decks, the Tarot of Marseille. And in that deck, the suit of pentacles was called the suit of coins. And the world's first coins, according to scholar Heather Whips, appeared around 600 BC jingling around in the pockets of the Lydians, a kingdom which was tied to ancient Greece, located in modern-day Turkey. And they featured the stylized head of a lion, and they were made of electrum, which is an alloy of gold and silver. Now, for better or worse, the invention of coins allowed for the development of city-states and civilization as we know it, because coins allowed for an abstract exchange of value. And so from the very beginning, this suit, the suit of pentacles, obviously relates to value and abundance and wealth and money, but also to law and power, as we've seen all the suits really do. They kind of all fold things together, but they all do it in their own specific way. Now, faces or symbols stamped on coins historically have conveyed who the heroes and powers of the state are, or they record the relevant mythologies of the state. So Essentially, what is on a coin tells us what the state that is making that money thinks is important. So essentially, what's on a coin is always reflecting the values of the people at the top or the hegemonic powers 
right? The powers that be, state powers. And Tom Figueroa, a professor of classics at Rutgers University, via Heather Webb, so I'll have to tell you. And just a reminder, always the um, all the references are going to be in the show notes, so go ahead and look there if you're interested in digging into the history of coins or anything else I talk about here on this on this episode. So according to Tom, Romans commemorated their emperors while the Celts engraved their money with runes, animals, and important kings. Personally, I would rather live with the rune and animal-loving folk, but that's just me. But it also reminds me of how in astrology, Taurus, which is often considered the sign of wealth and abundance, rules the second house, which in astrology as you might recall, reflects your values, your gifts, like what you what you have to offer, your assets and your material possessions and your personal finances. So if I made coins, I might stamp the head of a bull onto them because I would value the things that were Torian in nature. That is, um, you know, decadence and hedonism and luxury and things like that. Taurus rising. <laughs> Anyway, so another name for the suit of pentacles, they are sometimes referred to as discs or circles. So when we think the suit of pentacles as discs or circles, what we're talking about then is earth time, deep time, universal time, cyclical time rather than linear time. So that's something to think about too when the when the pentacles come up and in your reading, the way that it's talking about time. Now, usually when you're reading and someone wants to know about timing and you get a pentacle card, it's usually something that's going to take a while, right? Because it's it's talking about deep time, it's talking about slow time. It's often talking about up to a year. But so circles imply horizontal rather than hierarchical forms of leadership. Though in the cases of standing stones, for instance, some of the earliest circular structures, not only are they in a circle, they're also uniting heaven and earth. So we can think of those stones as speaking to great cycles of time, like the procession of the equinoxes and the solstices and the movements of the spheres and the stars through the universe. But they're also connecting our earth to that universe because they're vertically up and down in the ground. In Arthurian legend, the round table was supposed to indicate group leadership, right? So again, this is like rather than top-down leadership, power over, it's power with. And we could also think about community dancing in circles and circles of protection, like when we form a circle around someone who's vulnerable or the circles of protection that we cast when we begin rituals and ceremonies and witchcraft. As you remember, we always say the circle is cast and we are between the worlds. Circles are cones of power. So when we're casting a circle in witchcraft, what we're doing is we're creating a space to contain the energy that we're raising in our spells and it's also a space of protection. It's a, it's a space of concentration. So that's another thing that's happening with the suit of pentacles is concentration of energy and protection of our energy as well. So we could think of the suit of 
of discs is about protection and care and horizontal forms of leadership and also protecting what is sacred to us and what is sacred to our community or the circle of people that we stand with rather than top-down state power or, or brute force that is just like a vertical pushing down which might be implied with a suit of swords or wands which are both Weapons, in a way, since swords are obviously weapons and wands are often referred to as clubs. The Gnostic image that y'all might remember of the Ouroboros or the snake eating its tail is also known as the world serpent or the supreme serpent. And that symbol indicates that the cosmos itself is an unbroken circle. The cosmos itself is a circle of being that is implied by that snake eating its own tail. And the Ouroboros brings everything to life. And it also kills everything. And it is everything. And it is also nothing, according to the alchemists. As you may remember, we see that serpent, that cosmic serpent wrapped around the cosmic egg, or what's also known as the Orphic egg, which is essentially the Big Bang, right? It's the thing that existed before everything in the universe came into being and it had everything it needed to come into being, that, that little speck, before it exploded. You remember that that serpent around that cosmic egg appears in the Thoth deck in both the Hermit card and in the Lover's card, maybe other cards that I'm forgetting. But so this is a, a common symbol that we see in the tarot and it's referring to this idea that whatever is needed is already there whatever is needed to become the most magnificent version of itself the seeds are already there and the seed has everything it needs it has the blueprint it has the dna within it that's going to then be able to expand out and become everything it needs to become so circles, of course, also relate directly to the earth, as they say in the reclaiming chant. Do you remember this chant where it goes, We all come from the mother, and to her we shall return like a drop of rain rolling down to the ocean. And, and the idea is that we're coming from the earth, and then we're returning to the earth, right? So the cyclical idea of time, but then also all the heavenly bodies and the sun and the planets and the moon, they're all circles, they're all spheres. And the galaxies themselves are forming into spiraling circles, circles of life from, from womb to out into the air and then back into death, returning to the womb of the earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And so the disc cards or the circle cards relate to these cycles of life and they're bringing up these cycles of life when they appear in our readings. So the discards relate to cycles of life and seasons and the idea of things coming around again or seasons in your own life where things rise and things fall and that even if you didn't get the chance to do what you wanted to do this time, that you're going to get another chance, right? That, that things, aren't, things don't last forever, that we're in this cycle of change. But the, the discs concept also relates to a concept in philosophy known as the eternal return. And the idea of the eternal return is an ancient one, basically suggesting that the universe has always existed, 
and it'll collapse and it'll then reoccur across an infinity of time and space. As in the Hindu mythology, when the supreme deity Vishnu exhales and a thousand universes are born and then he inhales and the universes collapse and are destroyed only to be created again in his next breath. And in Western philosophy, it might be Nietzsche who's most famous for using that phrase, the eternal return, because for him, it was a proposal for life. This idea that since the universe is bound to repeat itself, that it's this cycle that will go on and on and on again forever. We should live as if the choices that we're making right now would be the the choice that we would make over and over and over and over again as the universe repeats into infinity, which is not a bad piece of advice and something to keep in mind when the pentacles come up in your readings or if you're giving readings, you might ask yourself, what is the choice you'd make again? What is the choice that you want to define you as a being Of course, the difficulty with that is that we'd often make different choices if we knew what the outcome (laughs) of our choice was going to be. And while I don't necessarily believe that the tarot can tell you the outcome of your choices with a degree of accuracy that I would gamble on, I'm not much of a gambler, but even if I was, I don't think that the tarot can really specifically predict the future because there's just too much going on and we have free will and there's always different choices that can be made. And that's what's beautiful about life in a lot of ways. But I do think that the tarot can help you make the choices that you would want to make again, because it can guide you to listen to your most authentic self. Okay, so another name for this suit, the pentacles, is rings. So obviously when we think of rings, we think of our commitments, as in wedding rings, for instance. And certainly the suit of pentacles is the one that most implies commitment in the long term because it corresponds to matter and earth and stones and things that last a long time. Fire, for instance, is about will. So the suit of wands is about will. Do we have the will to make something happen? Like, do we have the energy to to get it started, to kick that football? But the suit of pentacles is the one that's like, can we make it last? As you remember, like, strike a match. It goes out quickly. It's the suit of pentacles that can make, can turn that will into something lasting and sustainable. The suit is often sometimes referred to as well as bones, ruled by Capricorn. The parts of us that last and linger on, but also the parts that provide us with the structure that we need to sustain ourselves and to move around. So I like to think of the casting of bones as a divination tool, as if the fate that we're moving through now was written long ago in the bones of the ancestors and in our own bones. Kind of a contradiction if we can't necessarily know the future, but I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm cool with ambiguity. <laughs> but if we think of stones, right? 
pentacles as a suit of stones. I'm thinking of Stonehenge and other Neolithic sacred sites. And we think about Stone's relationship to time and what that might be bringing up when the ace appears to you. You know, stones breathe, they grow, they devolve, they expand, they crack, they change colors. They just move in deep time over millions of years. So we might not see them doing that, but they're doing that. They're moving all around the world. And that's why stones are symbols of power and stability. They're not just symbols of power and stability. They are power. They are stable. According to tarot historian Robert Place, the minor suits in the tarot are based on the Islamic Mamluk decks which were actually made for nobles in the 13th and the 14th century. And they represented the four aspects of life of a noble, or what we might call the good life, with a suit of coins representing wealth. But later in the 15th century in Italy, the trump cards were introduced, the major arcana were introduced to the tarot, and they were added to the decks. And the European people who took the cards up interpreted the symbols in their own way. They changed things around a bunch of times over, over hundreds of years, and added things, etc. as the cards migrated from Italy to France and to England, and as the Romani used them, and as the influences of the Re- Renaissance philosophies like Hermeticism and Neoplatonism and the Kabbalah and alchemy and ceremonial magic and all of that was folded in there. And I don't know if I can go into a discussion about whether or not that's right or good, but that is what happened. So in playing cards, the suit of diamonds is the one that corresponds to the suit of pentacles, which makes sense because diamonds come from the ground. But I couldn't decide for a long time if diamonds or spades should be pentacles. I I really didn't know because spades are things that you use to dig in the earth. I use spades in my garden. But then diamonds are compressed carbon. They're actual earth found deep underground, unless you're on Neptune or Uranus where it rains diamonds. But so now I say the suit of diamonds definitely equals earth pentacles because spades are a tool with a sharp-edged metal blade and a long handle, and they're used for digging or cutting. And so I think it's more like a sword. I, I am convinced of this now. But my ambivalence came from the fact that diamonds are clear and sharp, which reminded me of the spirit of swords or air, but I digress. Let's get down to the real thing now, pentacles. So I'm pretty sure that it was Arthur Edmund Waite, who was a creator, co-creator of the Rider Waite Coleman Smith version of the deck that changed the suit forever in our minds from coins to pentacles in order to make the suit more spiritual meaning than just about wealth as we might understand it in a economic sense. He wanted to infuse it with a spiritual meaning. Robert Hand, the tarot historian, says about the Ace of Pentacles that Eliphas Levi, who as you'll remember is a medieval or sort of a, a early enlightenment ceremonial magician, referred to the traditional suit of coins as pantacles, meaning talismans. And then in the Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith 
deck, these these pentacles were transformed into actual magical talismans, pentacles with a five-pointed star with a circle around it. So a talisman is an object blessed with magical properties that attracts blessings to you versus an amulet, which is a magical object that repels bad things from happening to you. In case you ever wondered, amulets are apotropaic, which means they ward off evil, whereas a talisman draws blessings towards you. In the case of pentacles worn about the neck, however, which a lot of witches like to do, they function both as an amulet and a talisman. In the case of pentacles, we can also think of them as yin or receptive, quote-unquote, feminine symbols that attract abundance and good fortune. However, generally, they're not thought of as like hyperfemme, like cups tend to be. We might think of pentacles as just slightly feminine of center on the gender spectrum, if we're going to think of them that way. And they are associated with quintessence. And quinta meaning five, and essence meaning the essence of something, or the five essences. And so soul is that fifth essence, which binds the four elements together. So we have water, air, earth, and fire, and then the fifth, which is soul, which is what the pentacle represents in witchcraft. When we get the ace of pentacles in a reading, it represents a new path that is opening up and it's promising us success in the future. As the the fertile landscape in the card suggests for us and that there's a path for us, that we're going to find our way. So pentacles, as you probably know, are the main symbol of witchcraft. Most of the time, a pentacle is known as a five-pointed star with a circle around it. Sometimes you might hear pentacles referred to with other geometric forms with circles around them, like in the Pentacle of Solomon, which is pretty weird and cool if you want to check it out. And you'll often find them inscribed on copper or some other metal and placed on altars. You'll find pentacles like that. And the famous mid-century Alexandrian Wiccans, Janet and Stuart Farrer, placed objects on their pentacles for blessings during ceremony. So imagine that you have like a pentacle, pentagram with a circle around it, drawn on metal, and you put that on your altar, and then they would put like salt in bowls on that pentacle, which was then tipped into the blessing water. Or some witches like myself, I have a little pentacle myself, and I'll place jewelry or magical petitions or spell candles or other sacred objects on my pentacle while I'm charging it during a ceremony. So the pentagram itself is a sacred symbol going back, well, to my knowledge, at least to the days of Pythagoras, if not to Babylon. And Pythagoras, the the mathematician who was also kind of a prophet or a seer, called it the signum hygiae, the sign of health, because Hygieia was the goddess of health, who far predates Pythagoras as far as I know. So this symbol, this five-pointed star, is the symbol of health, and it's a sacred symbol representing mind-body harmony, or the, the bringing together in harmony of all elements plus spirit. The number five is related to 
you know, human beings because of the fivefold divisions of the body. Like, you know, when we see that Michelangelo drawing of the guy standing with his arms spread out and his head, you know, so two legs and two arms and a head, that's five, five fingers and five toes. Now, in the Rider-Waite-Smith version of the tarot, in the devil card, we'll see the reversed pentagram. And the creators of the deck were aware of Eliphaz Levi's idea that a reversed pentagram with two points projecting upwards was a symbol of evil and attracts sinister forces because it overturns the proper order of things and demonstrates the triumph of matter over spirit. It is the goat of lust attacking the heavens with its horns, a sign execrated by initiates. It's the black goat of magic. But here we like goats and we like blackness in all its forms and we decry the idea that spirit dominates matter and instead believe spirit is matter. And so for us, the pentacle is the symbol of spirit imminent in matter and the enchanted life force of nature flowing through the material world. In other words, when people talk about the reverse pentacle or pentagram being evil, it's because they have this enlightenment idea that spirit somehow dominates matter and therefore the pointy end of the pentacle should be on top because that's spirit dominating the four elements. And that's why it was considered evil to turn it upside down because then we're caught up in the lust of the material world. But probably most of you don't truck with that idea. It's important to know also, and we'll be talking about this a lot more later on in the episode, that the planet Venus, the throne of the goddess of love in our solar system, makes a pentacle pattern as she travels around the sun in relation to the earth. And so the pentacle is often associated with Venus and the apple, thus Eve. See our episode on the devil if you want to hear a little bit more about that one, the devil you don't know. Because if you cut an apple in half crosswise, you will also find a five-pointed star. And that's how Eve seduces Adam back into the material world. Okay, so we're going to come back and we're going to go on a little break. And when we come back, I'm going to take you through a deep and beautiful mythology about some earth spirits and some underworld beings. And I'm going to relate it to the suit of pentacles. So I hope you stay with us. But before we go there, I began working on this episode in earnest on the new moon in Taurus, which is the perfect time for pentacles because... The suit of pentacles is associated with earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And on this new moon, I also did a ritual inviting eroticism into my life in a more active way so that everything I do is eroticized or or made sensual or made um, resonant with the powers of the goddess of Venus. And I've become obsessed since doing this empress workshop with our coveners because We created this whole workshop on eroticism for our coveners, and you can still buy it as a one-off. And in my spell, I use this beautiful song you're about to hear from our producer and 
musical magical genius Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. And this song with the chords and the lyrics is included in our Empress Workshop download. I've been practicing it with my music teacher. I love it. And personally, I think this song alone is worth the cost of entry to our subscriber membership, as you will see, because it's so beautiful. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. We sing to you now, sweet lady of, lady of the roses, Okay, so listeners, it turns out that the first half of this episode was already rather long, and Carolyn brought it to my attention that it might be a little bit overwhelming for folks out there, because I can just go on about tarot, as you know, um, and I hope that you like. (laughs) But um, so we did a poll on my Instagram page. We thought we'd leave it up to y'all. And you were split 50-50 in favor of keeping it under an hour, keeping our podcast under an hour, because I know you have lots of things to do. So the people who wanted the show to be under an hour were very passionate about that. 
And the people who like it over an hour, who basically said, like, the longer the better, we figured you're probably more patient. So (laughs) we figured you wouldn't mind waiting a week for part two. Please do not consider this a punishment. I am on your side as well. But um, I also don't want to overwhelm folks. So we've decided to split this episode up into two. Now, don't forget to tune in next week for part two of Ace of Pentacles, because we are going to be discussing a myth that deeply relates to this suit. Now, this story has got it all. It's sexy. It's queer. It got, it's sexy. It's queer. It's got fairy queens and gallivanting knights and sprouting wands. It's all about money and earth and magic and eroticism. I know I've already sold it. And we break it all down with some literary analysis. On my IG poll at Oracle of LA, you told us your favorite part of the show is the mythology and the history. So get ready to rock out next episode. And if you're glad we're back, please do take a moment now to give us five stars or leave us a review on iTunes. It only takes you 30 seconds, but it keeps us on the air. And it makes us really excited when we see you leave little messages for us. So um, we read them all and we'd love to hear from you. So if you've got a second, please do drop us a coin of your love on iTunes. We are so glad to be back with you in this magical space between the worlds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dear witches out there. We love you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Subscribers to our Weird Circle at the Jupiter level get workshops, community, bonus content, and magical support throughout the year. We really do hope that you join us. In the meantime, if you love our content and want to keep us on the air, please do take a moment to give us five stars or leave us a sweet review on iTunes or share your favorite moments from the podcast on social media. Truly, all of it makes a huge difference to us. You can tag me at Oracle Valet or at Between the Worlds Podcast. Not only does your support help keep us on the air, it helps baby witches who really need this content know how to find their way to us between the worlds. So thank you for being here and thank you for helping other people find their way here as well. This podcast is hosted by Amanda Yates Garcia and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Ricks. Our icon was created by Maria Minnis, aka Tiny Parsnip, and our graphic design is by Leah Hayes. Thanks for flying with us.